Welcome to But Jesus Drank Wine and other stories that kept us stuck. I'm Mead. And I'm Christy. In this podcast, we'll explore the stories that kept us, well, stuck, wanting to drink and not wanting to drink all at the same time. Join us as we show you that freedom from alcohol does not have to mean a life sentence of misery and missing out, but actually means living an authentic life full of peace, joy, and purpose. Hey, babe, how are you? So good. I'm excited to talk about connection today. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's such a good one. And I feel like I hear it so often from clients, don't you? Like I drink to connect. Oh my gosh. I drink because I want to connect. I drink because I want to connect with girlfriends. I drink because I want to connect with my husband. I drink because I want to connect with family. Do you hear that a lot too? It's like alcohol is a bridge or something. And yet I think it's something that... Yeah, that's the messaging we've received. And then, you know, it's been maybe reinforced. But if you really, I'm so glad that I know what I know now that it is not true connection. And I, and I can think back to like when I was starting to explore my relationship to alcohol and is wine serving me? Is it, or is it getting in the way? It was the fear of disconnection is what kept me drinking longer and not doing anything about the conflict I felt. And then also the the wanting deeper connection is also at the same time, it's like the knowing it's not and also thinking it is all at the same time that was so hard for me to reconcile. So yeah, like I think it's, I think it's a big one for folks. What did it look like for you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think for me personally my one of my biggest fears was losing friends so again it was it tied into a lot of and we've talked about a little bit like what other people think but i think as we're humans like we know we're wired we are literally hardwired for connection and so part i think of like not being afraid to lose friends was exactly that it was afraid to lose that connection it was very much a part of my like you know, dating with Chris, we were like really into wine. And so I was like, is this going to kill my marriage? Because it's going to kill the connection in my marriage. And so I had a lot of, a lot of fear around it for sure. Yeah. 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 And it's that fear driven, that fear, fear posture that keeps us from being able to kind of like sometimes take those like first, first steps. And you know, we talk so much about using curiosity, curiosity and compassion as kind of like, you know, you find yourself in that place of like, I, I want to explore my relationship to alcohol, but I have all of these fears, whether it be from fear of disconnection from folks, fear of whatever it is, using compassion for where you are allows us to use curiosity to, to just ask the questions. Okay. Like what, what is connection? What is connection? What does it look like and how how does wine contribute to connection? How does it take away from it? And when you start asking questions versus, you know, when we're in that place of like fear around, I'm just so certain that it's going to be lead to disconnection. Well, but first we've got to zoom out and and get curious about what, what does connection even look like? Because like I said, I was stuck in fearing disconnection and also kind of knowing deep down that it was getting in the way of connection. So how do you reconcile those first steps out of that? Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I think that's so interesting because that's exactly what I always end up asking is, well, what is connection to you? And 
I think we when we're doing this work, we realize that what we think it exactly what you just said, what we think is connecting with somebody maybe isn't right. So how can you truly connect with somebody else if part of your brain is shut off and you end up not remembering half of a conversation? How is that connecting with somebody else? Right. How is showing up as basically a different version of yourself, especially when you're not kind of feeling like you're really living your true values like if you're not showing up as yourself how can you connect with somebody else right like I mean I did not get that until a ways into my journey and when I realized that it's like well how can anybody be friends with the Christy that is like this like walking talking I don't know for lack of a better word like facade of a person that I don't even want to (laughs) be does that make sense <laughs> totally. That me too. That was absolutely. And and yet it when you're in that it's so hard to see that that's what you're living into. And and I think you're right like the connection, true connection at least through the exploration I did around it comes from you know really knowing somebody and being known by somebody and in order to really know somebody it requires risk on our part because we have to you be curious about them we have to ask them questions we have to you know kind of put our, we have to have conversations i think about like social anxiety and how much you know you know for a, a topic for another day but alcohol helps so i thought at some point that you know helps with social anxiety so it alcohol would be the thing that would help me be able to ask questions of somebody else and get to know them. So not true, but that is for sure something that I had running subconsciously. And then also, uh, you know, on the flip side of that, well, alcohol helps, you know, someone get to know me because then I'm, you know, the risk of being vulnerable. I can be more vulnerable if I've been drinking, but that, I mean, I learned is it could not be further from the truth to your point of what you just, what you said is like, we're, when we're in that space, we're kind of projecting what, you know, we're protecting ourselves by not sharing our our real selves and kind of protecting an image or what people can be exposed to or, or see of us. And I think that's where it gets kind of tricky too, right? Yeah. And I don't know if this happened like when in your drinking days, but I feel like I definitely felt like I was I was really connecting on a really deep level with certain people because what we would do is we would go out and we would have a bottle of wine and we would, you know, sometimes end up in tears sometimes. But but we really would like we would share like deep, deep stuff. But I think it was in a way that first of all, wasn't constructive, right? Because it was almost like, I don't know, I don't even know really like how to explain it. But like, you know, you would, you'd go out, you'd have a bottle of wine with your girlfriends, you'd end up talking about like your kids or your marriage or what was going on in your life. And you thought, oh, I'm, this is such a good friend of mine. I can share all these deep, dark things. But first of all, in the cold light of day, would you really have shared what you shared? And in the way that you did and are you really even getting any constructive anything back right because it's like it would almost end up in just like a giant whinge fest like a complaining fest and then you'd leave more depressed because you just dumped a bunch of depressed depressant right alcohol is a depressant on your depressing stuff and so at one 
on one hand, you think, oh, gosh, that was so great to get out there and like just get out with my girlfriends and really lay it all out there. But you'd end up you'd never feel better. I guess this is my long winded way of saying, right? Like you never would leave those dinners, especially the next morning, feeling like uplifted or encouraged in the right way. Does that make sense? Do you feel like that? Totally. Well, I think what I can relate to in that is that it was this entry point for us all to be able to say those more, you know, the harder things, right? That maybe we do a good job of like protecting from other people seeing, but in, to your point, in the way of like, we're all just now kind of complaining about these things with no empowerment or resolve or, or true, like, I, truth, I know that like, or truth, or yeah. truth, truth. Yeah. 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 Or, it, and like, I know my girlfriends heard like when, you know, maybe I, but did they really hear like we were all there, but were we really all there? That's a different scenario than, you know, getting together for, you know, with a girlfriend, you know, without alcohol and, sharing what's really bothering you and allowing someone to hold that space for you and allowing someone to to love you and support you in in what you're working through in a really honest and real way that leaves you feeling uplifted and maybe empowered moving forward versus like to your point throwing gasoline on the fire the depressant on top of the depressant that is just gonna yeah leave you feeling worse off yeah. And to your point about like, did they really hear me? I mean, I think it was at, at the end of my drinking like career, it was very clear, I think, to me at one point where nobody actually was hearing me because we were having the same conversations over and over again. Or, you know, you had said something and then the text message came the next day asking something about something you had spoken about for a half an hour the night before. So how is any of that connection? How is any of that connection? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's where we can stay. So it's like when we start looking at what our stories are that keep us stuck, we talk, you know, talk a lot about this, like what are those stories? And one of them being that for the longest time it was wine was the thing that was allowing me to feel connected to people. You know, the way that I know now, like when a story is probably not true is when I feel that challenging it is I feel that kind of like rub or that tension when I challenge it. So when I think about like, well, no, it is the thing that's connecting me. And then it's like, but I feel this tension around that. It's like, because I know that maybe I have shared something or someone else has shared something, but also like these are the same kind of, you know, these are the same kind of nights out that we have on the regular and nothing comes from it. Nothing changes nothing moves forward in that way so there's no like forward movement as part of it and I think that is that is something that if I want to feel connected to somebody it involves like continual forward movement and it starts with vulnerability and vulnerability is not the same as just being able to like say say whatever you want to say when you want to say it right like it's there's a little bit more to it yeah 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 that's so so good so good what do you feel like? Do you feel like you had the fear of it disrupting connection in your marriage? Oh, for sh- for sure. I mean, but it, again, like because it 
because I didn't question it for so long, right? Like it just was this underlying like thing, this belief that I had that it was connective. It wasn't until I was really, you know, courageous and being able to say, okay, like, is this getting in the way? And that's where that kind of rub comes in. But I mean, yeah, we, I mean, we met at a, my husband and I met at a beach party and you know, that's what we, we drank together. We went out, like it went out for a drink together. We, I mean, it was kind of a continuation of college in a lot of ways, what, what we did in our early relationship. And we didn't think that there was anything wrong with that and not saying it was or wasn't, but, and we certainly were able to connect in other ways and which is, is great. But when I can look back, I can see how you only look at the fact that, oh, well, alcohol is the common denominator. So that must mean that's the reason why we're connected. Thankfully, I learned that there was so much more than that, but it's easy to think that that is the thing. And what if I change my relationship to alcohol? What if I don't drink? How is that going to change my marriage? Again, kind of talking about like that fear-based, oh my gosh, like I, I need to keep drinking to have connection to my friends and my family and my husband and all of those things, which turned out to be so untrue. Yeah. 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 What did that look like for you in your early dating life? Y'all connected over wine, right? Like that was. Yeah, definitely. So I was just like, what are we even going to (laughs) do? Right. What are we even going to like talk about? How do we, how do we even communicate if it's not over a bottle of wine? And listen, I think this is a real fear. And I think because, you know, I think we probably both, at least I do, know people that their relationship does drastically change when one of them stops drinking. So I get the fear. I had the fear. But I think that the level coming back to connection, the level of connection and vulnerability and intimacy that you have when you're showing up as your true, unaltered, not numbed out, dumbed down version of yourself is a different level of connection that's so much better than turning off part of your brain, your prefrontal cortex or what have you and screwing with your memory making and all of this other stuff. So if you can, as like we always say, just, you know, if you try it, just try it, like you you will see, right? You will see that it is, it's a different, it's a totally different level of connection, I think. And I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm really lucky and proud that like we are still growing together without me drinking. I mean, at the time of this recording, my husband's still drinking and he's cut down a lot, but we don't fight. (laughs) So that helps a lot too, right? We don't fight. Like, I mean, of course everybody fights. I'm not saying I have a perfect marriage. Nobody does, but we, the, the, the dumb, the dumb fighting, taking that off the table, <laughs> taking the dumb nitpicky, I'm exhausted. So I'm just like biting your head off or snapping at the kids or whatever. Taking all of that off the table, I think helps my marriage immensely. What about you? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, a- absolutely. If you think about how many, if I can think about how many times my, those stupid fights, the ones that were, yeah, like so unnecessary, how they either revolved around, you know, they started with alcohol or post drinking, what that looked like and how I just, I love what you just said too, because the amount of fighting is so much less. And, and that's when you can look at, like, if you're doing like a, you know, a pros and cons list for, you know, how does alcohol affect 
connection, like that would be something that I would definitely put, put on my sheet that the dumb fights that come from. So I'm like, okay, here's the evidence that says that actually that's not connecting. So while it might've been our hobby, like I used to, we used to joke around, like, you know, hobbies, couples have, you know, hobbies, things that they like to do together. Some people like to go hiking together. They like to, you know, play golf or whatever they do together. I used to say that our hobby was cocktailing, like cocktail as a verb of cocktailing. That's what we did. That's, that was our shared interest. But again, kind of like zooming out and like being more objective and observing, getting curious about what does it all look like? What does connection look like? I can think about those stupid fights and, and how that, gosh, like just the absence of those fights and how that is evidence that says like, no, actually this wasn't something that connected us. It, it was just an illusion. So yeah, that definitely is, is it, gosh, I, like I hadn't even remembered that until you said that. I'm like, I'm having flashbacks <laughs> to the stupid, yeah, the stupid yeah. fights. The stupid fights and you've just each had a few drinks and then it just ends up ruining the whole date anyways and it ruins, you know. Yeah, it's just like it takes it takes so much, I don't know, negativity out and pressure off and everything when that's not happening in the background. I... I feel like we have to kind of touch on the like the messaging and how we got to this belief because I since since I've stopped drinking I feel like this is the one that I get really angry about when I see it as an advertisement right so I was with my kids a few months ago in the movie theater and they had this advert and I think it was for I don't know what it was for it was for gin or something some sort of like hard alcohol and it was a grandson like an older grandson in his 20s and the grandfather and they were at a campfire and they were both drinking whatever it was out of the they the shared flask and I was just like oh my gosh it is so gross right like you're selling connection with your grandfather you're selling connection. You're not, you're, you're just, when you see these things now, and then like the other day, it's Christmas time here in London, drove by a billboard. What was it? It was just like billboards everywhere. Billboards everywhere of just like cheersing, like in front of the Christmas tree or whatever it is, like gather and like together. And it's like, it really is one of the ones that I think the alcohol industry and big alcohol like really lean into this one and when you see it you just like realize how we got here right yes oh my gosh yes yes and they they are playing to that biological need that we have as humans to connect with people and they I mean they they know that that's why it sells and you know I think about the 11 11 million bits of data that we are like absorbing every second and only 50 of those bits are, are conscious. So like there's a ton of data that we're absorbing from advertisements, from just signs, from, I mean, it, every everywhere we go and we're absorbing all of that and that's what gets kind of locked into our, into our subconscious and affects these stories that we tell ourselves that keep us doing the thing. So yeah, it's like, how did we get here? Well, I mean, I saw it from a really young age, you know, like, and this is not a knock on my parents at all. It's just what everybody did. But 
growing up at the at the beach and the time that we would spend down, you know, at the beach in the summer on the weekends, you know, my parents and their friends and my my family, all the adults would sit around with a cooler full of beer and sit and hang out and socialize and drink and like unwind from the week. And to, to me, that's what connection would look like, right? Like a bunch of adults sitting around and chatting, but it's like, yes, they just so happen to have alcohol in their hands. But as a young child, you know, that, that the fact that I can even like remember that and think about that, like that obviously plays into how we form these for form these stories about how alcohol affects us and how it maybe so, you know, quote unquote enhances our lives. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you can see how they're affected, you know, they're affected by it. We're, everybody's affected by it. And it's all coming through that kind of like subconscious kind of messing, messaging that we're not even aware of. It is so frustrating too. I get so fired up when I see it now too. I'm like, that is not connection. Like that is not true connection. Yeah. And even if you think about like, I was just thinking during during the pandemic, right? It's like, it wasn't ever just like hop on a Zoom with your group of friends and have a catch up. It was always centered around. If there was any time you were connecting with anybody, it was like wine and like whatever. It was just always, it was always, right? On even if you, yeah. So it's just, it's, wild to yeah. me it's so yeah wild. like why can't we just all get together and like what yeah like what's what's stopping us for saying like hey I, I would just love to get on zoom and connect with you today versus hey let's let's create this event centered around alcohol to get us to do the thing that we all desire it's like I think it also goes back to this kind of deeper conversation too maybe for another day but getting in touch with like, what do we desire? What are we longing for? We're, and when we know what that is, then it's like the, I call it the desire underneath desire. We think the desire is to connect with people. And the way to do that is through, you know, getting together for drinks or hopping on zoom during the pandemic with, you know, for happy hour or whatever. But if you get like, if you get really curious, like what's the desire underneath the desire, it's, what is that? What does connection mean to you? And why can't we just say, Hey, that this is what I desire to connect with you. But instead of kind of dressing it up as this, like having an excuse, like, like, do we have to have an excuse to get together? Like so many, so many things for, in my world, when I was drinking, it was like, Hey, yeah, let's, you know, meet outside and have a, have a drink. Let's stop by for a glass of wine or, you know, why not just, Hey, I, I haven't seen you in a while and I'd love to know what's been going on with you. Why don't you pop over? Why can't we just say that? Why does it have to be alcohol? And I think it's largely because of our conditioning, the messages that we've received that say like, this is the way to do it. And it's not as risky, right? Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And I also feel like, I don't know exactly like how to, like there's something really wild about the fact too, where we're telling ourselves this lie that we need alcohol to connect. But as you said, like when you, when that cognitive dissonance starts coming in and you start to get that like feeling like, hmm, I'm not quite sure if this is like 
what I need or want. But then because of how we stigmatize alcohol, thinking of my own personal journey, right? Like when the voice started saying, this is an issue, maybe you need to like figure out if drinking is serving you. I don't feel like I could say that to anybody, not one human on this planet. Like I eventually said it to my husband, but I didn't, I didn't feel like I could say that to anybody for a while. And so you're, we're desperate to be, as you said, be known. But then we end up when we're on this journey, hiding this part of ourselves. And it's what keeps us stuck for so much longer. And so we're longing for, am I making any sense? We're longing for connection, but we can't even really say what we're struggling with. And then it just ends up feeling so heavy and so hard. Yeah. Well, you're exactly right. It's like, it's like, we're doing the thing, what we think is going to help us get what we desire, the connection. And yet it is the very thing that is keeping us from getting the thing that we want. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's such, it's this like kind of sick little, you know, circle of how it's like, yeah, this is, this is what I, this is what I want. This is what I desire. And yet this is the thing that I'm using for that. And yet it's also the very, I can't tell you how many of my stories that kept me stuck in, in drinking, like how many of those were exactly that. It's like, I thought that wine was making me a better mom. And yet it actually was the thing that was getting in the way. And that's just such a common, common theme. It's those things that I'm so sure about that actually were, were not true at all, but we're so convicted by them. I think, you know, first subconsciously they're driving us, but then once we're even bringing awareness to them, we're so convicted by them because the threat we feel that threat that comes along with, well, what if I find out that this isn't true? Once I bring aware that awareness to this, once I find out what's maybe really is the truth, like it's scary because then that means that things are going to change and change is, what does that look like? If I really admit that I think this is not, this is not helping my marriage and I want to do something about it. What if I say that out loud and now it's out there how does that change things? And what if he's not on board with it? What if he totally disagrees? What if, you know, that, that fear I think is such a big piece of it. It's like, we're fighting what we desire and fear is putting, you know, keeping us from being able to do anything about it. It's so true. Do you remember like how it felt to be vulnerable and open with somebody and maybe it was your husband, maybe it was somebody else, like the first, like in your early non-drinking days and what did it feel like and was it scary and how did it come out and it's like such a good question I do know that like one of the most courageous things I did in when I was still stuck in my drinking world was I called a girlfriend a really good girlfriend of mine one day on a whim and like I felt this urge to like say out loud that yeah I'm drinking and I don't want to be drinking I'm drinking more than I want to be drinking I I don't know what this means. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do about it, but I just had this urge to like say it out loud. And I think it was one of those like moments of radical honesty with myself and by putting it out there. And so I called my girlfriend, Jim, and I was like, listen, Hey, I don't need you to say anything. I don't need you to do anything. I just need to say this out loud. And 
And she's like, okay. And I said, you know, I said just that, like I'm drinking more than I want to be drinking. And, you know, so like, I've got to, I've got to figure this out. I don't know what this means. And she was such an amazing friend. She, you know, she was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm here, you know, to listen and, and whatever. And nothing like, I didn't need her to, to fix anything. I didn't need advice. I didn't need anything, but being able to, that was like my first really big vulnerable kind of moment. And I chose her because I was certain that my relationship with her was not based on alcohol. Like she was my one person where like we had just as many non-drinking times as we had maybe drinking together. Wine was, I knew that it was not part of our relationship. So it was a really good way for me to try vulnerability, to take that risk. And then, you know, that, that kind of opened the door to being able, being able to explore it. But, you know, moving on to kind of being alcohol free and then being vulnerable, I think it just, it's, it's something that just learning, you know, who the people are, like knowing, for instance, that she was such a good friend that my relationship was not going to be threatened. That was a good, safe person to kind of pick to start that vulnerability and seeing what that looked like. And then also seeing how that gives permission for somebody else to also be vulnerable. That's the beautiful gift of when we are courageous enough to show up as ourselves and be vulnerable, um, that we're giving someone else permission to do the same thing and knowing that all humans want connection and that's what we're all like kind of looking for. And we have all of these things that keep us from being able to like get that. You're, you're also not only freeing yourself, but you're gifting somebody else that opportunity to do the same. Yeah, so good. How long had you, I just want, I'm curious, how long had you been friends with her? So gosh, that's a good question. Not, not forever. We met when our little ones were little, little, but yeah. So five, six years, not forever, but she just was, yeah, she was just my person. Yeah. Yes. I had a similar conversation, but it was like with my best, best friend, but she, she still lives out in L in LA and we've been friends since we were 15 years old. And so she was like very much relationship, not built on alcohol because even though she was my first person and we ever tried to drink together, I knew, you know, I knew. And so I laid it all out there for her when I was over in the States for the one summer. And I just, we were at, you know, tacos and I was just like, verbal all the things diarrhea I was I told her everything and how much I had been drinking and what it was doing to me and all the embarrassing stuff and she at the end of the conversation she was like crying I was crying and she was like I am so sorry that I didn't know this and I didn't do more and I was like Holly oh my gosh like you couldn't have done anything like you couldn't have done anything because I wasn't ready to tell you anything about how bad it was until this moment now and at that point I was several months alcohol free you know I was like I wasn't ready I wasn't ready and if and she you know she said to me I mean I love her like a sister she was like I knew you were drinking too much but I didn't know how bad and I didn't know I wouldn't have known what to say and I was like if you would have said something to me, you know what I mean? If you would have said, Christy, I think you might be drinking too much. I was like, I don't even know what that would have done to our relationship. Like, I'm hoping that like I would have like I hopefully would have come back and apologized for my bad behavior that would have resulted from you telling me I was drinking too much. I wouldn't have heard it. I would not have heard it. And I wouldn't have reacted well. So I was like, there is nothing you could have done. But anyways, all this to say that that, that open vulnerable moment, you know, was just... That was true, 
true connection. That was true, true connection and true, true friendship. And and yeah, I think we're both we're both really lucky to have people like that in our life, obviously, you know? That's that gift, that hidden gift of being vulnerable is creating more connection. So we're so afraid of actually being vulnerable, but then when we are with the right people, I mean, I, I remember when I finally said, you know, shortly thereafter, I told my husband, you know, like, this is, this is like, I, something's gotta, gotta give. And I, and this scares me, like even just being able to say out loud, like this scares me for what our, how it'll affect our marriage and for him to receive it so beautifully and so supportively. And so like, no, I am all, you know, like, by the way, this is your journey. This is your journey. Like this is not an us journey, but like I am in full support of it and, and it will be, it will be okay. And I think that, you know, that would be a, that would be a place if, if maybe our listeners, if they are not practiced in sharing vulnerably and that's something that is appealing, like this, you know, kind of diving into this idea of connection and what it really looks like first getting really curious about what is connection? What would, what would it feel like? How would you know if you're connected to somebody? You know, the difference for me in the drunken nights with girlfriends over wine, that feeling is completely different than the heart to hearts that I've had with, you know, girlfriends without wine or my husband. Like how, how would you know the difference in the two? And then, you know, and then also practice or consider, you know, being vulnerable, who, who would be the people or one person, find one person that you could pick to share something in a vulnerable way and just, and just try it. You know, we're not saying like, go tell the whole world that, you know, whatever, but finding one person that you can begin that maybe journey of sharing and opening vulnerably, I think is, is so powerful. And I think it can very easily start with like, Hey, I want to do something about my drinking, but I don't know what that looks like yet. Yeah. So good. And this is the other thing that's so cool. And like, I, I mean, when I, when I ditched alcohol, I didn't know that there were such thing as coaches. And so that's the other thing that's so cool, right? About what we do is that mm-hmm. for so many of the women that I talk to, and I'm sure it's the same for you, they don't feel like they can say this stuff to anybody else. And so even a discovery call is so, so impactful because for a lot of times, it's just for the first time you can sit across from somebody that understands what you've been through and is going to listen and not judge you, meet you where you are with grace and compassion, all the things, and just you can say it out loud to somebody else, you know? I wish I knew that like people like us existed when I was going through this because I didn't, I, again, like I didn't have that conversation with Holly till later. I didn't have the conversation. I mean, I did quite early on have the conversation with Chris, my husband, but it was very vague (laughs) because I was so scared, right? It wasn't this big open, like here is what it all means. It was just like, I don't know. I think I was just like, I don't know, but I know I need to make a change, but I don't know what any of it means. And so, I mean, do you hear that? Do you feel that, I guess, a lot too of just like so much of what we do is just allowing other women to connect with us, right? Yeah, that's what I think makes this job just 
so like the, the best, the best job in the entire world is, is being able, and that's why I have my own coach too. It's, it's being able to bring the stuff that, you know, I want to process and, you know, kind of bring to the light, which by the way, like, I think we'll have to do, you know, do this in another episode too, but talking about how the enemy uses fear and as a weapon to keep us stuck, right? And turned away from God. And so taking that and how, you know, shame is really at the at the core of all of that fear too. And how that slight turn to something different into being vulnerable is actually, you know, I mean, I love how Kurt Thompson, you, you've heard me say this a bunch of times, Dr. Kurt Thompson, he, he says like, we're, we don't do vulnerable. We are as humans vulnerable. And, you know, I think about how, when we are sharing vulnerably, when we're, when we're turning to vulnerability, that's also a turn away from the enemy and a turn back to God. Yeah. And how much power is, is in that just one little, one little step in the other direction, which will lead to greater connection with the Lord and through other people. I know there are a lot of things too, speaking of like, you know, coaches, like a lot of times, you know, maybe there are things that I have that I don't even bring to my coach, but Jesus is the best coach of all. And so even just in my quiet time, having that kind of like radical honesty with something that I am feeling that feels very vulnerable, but I'm not ready to maybe share with somebody else or maybe never will be. I mean, that's, that's a space for that as well. Yeah. Oh, that is so, so good. It's so good. I feel like my prayer life has just gotten, it's just, it's so radically different than in, well, first of all, (laughs) let's be honest. When I was drinking, I wasn't getting up and, you know, reading the Bible or doing a devotional, doing anything because I was too tired and too hungover. So now, (laughs) you know, obviously to hold space for God and to actually connect with him by actually laying out our fears which is exactly what satan doesn't want us to do and actually talking to him like the real person that he is and saying i am scared or you know saying this is really i'm just i'm struggling with this like how we're i'm just like spitballing here but like i don't even how was i praying before like you know how what was it? Because it wasn't open. It wasn't vulnerable. It wasn't my, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't. <laughs> does that make well, sense? <laughs> no, I think, no, it does. I love that you're spitball in there because it's exactly how much of our relationships with other humans, you know, are parallel or reflect our relationship at the time with the Lord and what that, what those similarities are to your point for sure it was painful to be vulnerable with the Lord. And so my prayer life did not look, it was more of like, Hey, this isn't working for me and you're supposed to be working for my good. So help a sister out and work for my good. Okay. Like, cause right now I'm feeling like there's nothing good. It was very me, me focused, even though, you know, you know, that's, I mean, that's not exactly how I did it, but whereas now it's like, Hey, this is what's on my heart. Like this is, in order to like bring what's vulnerable, you have to first know kind of what is on your heart. And I think we do such a good job of protecting ourselves from that vulnerability, from what's on our hearts because of the, of the fear that comes along with it, because of the lies that we started believing so long ago from the enemy that say, you know, 
that keep us that way, distant from the Lord. So many, so many, you know, layers to this for sure. Yeah. And I think that, you know, so much of obviously connecting with someone is also like listening. And so when you were saying about, you know, like we were both talking about just listening and hearing from God, not just like giving our laundry list of requests of what's going on. Like how, how can you connect with God if you're not listening to him? And how can you connect with another human on this planet if you're not really listening? Because how can you really be listening after two glasses of wine? You can't, you can't, it's a different level. It's a different level. And so, you know, as, as coaches, I think so much of what we're taught is just hold space, hold space, hold space. And how can you hold space for anybody or, you know, most of all God when you're not switched on all the way, right? Yeah. Oh, so, so, so true. Yep. That's exactly right. And I think that's the awareness that I now have for what that looked like for me is so huge in being able, like, as we say, like the awareness is 80, 80% of the work. And so overcoming that fear of like, I'm going to bring attention to this. I'm going to draw attention to, I'm going to get curious about like the next time I'm out with my girlfriends drinking wine, I'm just going to you know, I'm not, I don't have to change anything right now. You don't ever have to change anything related to your relationship to alcohol, but just maybe going in, if you, if you want to start getting curious about it, start paying attention to like, okay, I'm going to start this night and this is what connection would look like. And what am I actually finding as I go throughout the night? Did this, did this feel and keep asking those questions? I think that is, leads a long way to being able to, to find, to find the truth. And in, in the asking, you're also being vulnerable, like, because, you know, even just asking a question, right, there's risk in that, because if I get an answer, yeah, that, that's the other, the other part of it, get an answer that I don't want, oh, gosh, yeah, no, this isn't helping me with connection, now what do I do with that? Well, that's the good news, you're, you're getting to the truth, and then that's where you have that opportunity to do something about it. So good. It all starts with getting curious. Getting curious yeah so fun well i for one love connecting with you every time we get to do this no me too it's so good when you when you notice like just the relationships that you like i don't know and this is obviously a big one for me you know you and you and i but yeah when you see the difference right in your in how you're connecting with other people versus before like if anybody's listening, just like know, know that we're not making this up. It's so much different. It's so much like better and deeper on this side of it. Yeah. Well, it's like I think about we moved years ago out out from where we were. We were closer to the city and then we moved further out. And I remember being so kind of resistant. Like I didn't want to I didn't want to move. I knew like I was okay with like, you know, I knew the reasons why we were moving. I knew it was what was best for us and all of that. But I, I kind of was like, but things are great here. Like, why are we really, you know, and it's a little bit different than the drinking relationship. But once we moved out here and got settled, it was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how much better it could be. And I think there's so much of my world now being free from alcohol that I'm like, I had no idea how much better it could be, you know, finding freedom from alcohol versus, I mean, there were parts of it, it, it wasn't good the way it was, right? But, yeah, you know, even if it had just been okay, like, even if we take like what was B minus before, like this is, I mean, A plus, 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 and who knew? 
Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? I yeah, I'm glad I do now. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. You can find all of our episodes at butjesusdrankwine.com and make sure you follow us over on the gram at Love Life Sober with Christy and Mead at I'm Not Sober, I'm Free underscore. To learn more about what we do, you can visit our websites at meadhollandshirley.com and lovelifesober.com. Take a screenshot of this podcast and share it with a friend or two. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't have to worry about missing a single episode. And if you love what we're doing, please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. This helps more women who are feeling stuck and alone in the overdrinking cycle to find hope and encouragement. Thanks, ladies. We so appreciate you. We'll see you next week.